Greetings and God bless. This is Chris King, and you're listening to the Perdition Podcast. Uh, I want to welcome you today, and I thank you for listening. Um, We're going to be talking about obedience and eternal security. It's a hot topic. It has been for many years, uh, but the reality is is that it's growing in influence. Eternal security, uh, the heretical doctrine that says that uh, you can do uh, whatever you want as long as you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or 10 minutes ago. Uh, it doesn't matter. You can continue living uh, how you were before you were saved, and all that will happen is that you will lose rewards. Uh, that is the doctrine that is taught. Uh, I know this personally because I have challenged and debated several uh, once saved, always saved uh, heretics um, for a while now. And now, obviously, on the Calvinistic side of things, their view of eternal security is a little bit different. Uh, if somebody is engaging in constant rebellion against the Lord, uh, their view on it is is that that person is a false convert, that they were never saved to begin with. Um, you know, look, we can you know split hairs here all day long, but the reality is is that there are lots of people out there who really believe in their heart that all they need to do is just believe on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his death, of course, and, and you know, uh, believe what the Scripture says about him, and, and they will be saved, that it doesn't matter uh, what they do in their life, that as long as they're, uh, you know, a good person most of the time, as long as they are... Uh, you know, going to church and taking care of their family, they can uh, wallow in that uh, secret sin of pornography or uh, they can wallow in uh, the sin of unforgiveness or bitterness or uh, maybe they have a a stealing problem. Uh, Maybe they are committing adultery. Uh, Well, it doesn't really matter. As as, As long as I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I will just lose some rewards in uh, in eternal life, but I will still be saved. That's what they believe, and I know this because I've debated with them many times. So I'm going to start by reading uh, out of Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, it says here in verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose you that he shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace." For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I'm going to be dealing with this issue in more depth in a couple of weeks when I publish uh, an article called Eternal Life Requires Obedience in This Life. Uh, we're going to be dealing with not just the don'ts, but also the do's, what you can do in your life to 
to adhere to the obedience uh, to Jesus Christ, to the cross. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that uh, struggle with different types of sins. I know that uh, there are people that uh, are engaging in sin, maybe willfully, but they also want to overcome. I know because I counsel these people. They do what they don't want to do, and they don't do what they should. Okay, they know what they're doing is wrong. They want to overcome pornography. They want to overcome sexual immorality or unforgiveness or bitterness or, or theft or whatever it is in their life, uh, rage and anger, uh, things like that. They want to be an overcomer, but it's very difficult for them. And they're not realizing that it's a battle and it will continue to be a battle with their flesh until they finally overcome. The overcoming does not come about when you die. That is a falsehood. Uh, The Lord expects you, if you have years to live and not minutes to live on this earth, the Lord expects you to be an overcomer in this life. He expects you to overcome your flesh and to hold it captive. That is what the New Testament is all about. As 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 states, it says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, be ye so holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And the reality is, is that I'm tired of Christians and pastors making a mockery of the Scripture simply so that they can remain in unrepentant sin. And these pastors teaching their congregants that it's okay to remain in unrepentant sin, that the worst thing that will happen is that you will somehow lose rewards. Well, the Word of God does not teach this at all. In Ephesians 5, uh, it says very clearly, listen to what uh, Paul says. He says, But fornication... And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you. With vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Let me say that again in verse 6 of chapter 5. It says, let no man deceive you with vain words. Okay, do not be deceived, guys. If you're walking in the ways of the flesh... And I mean in constant rebellion against God. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. You have no inheritance there. You notice how Paul does not say anything about rewards. He's talking about actual inheritance and walking with the Lord in eternal life. It's not optional. Paul is very clear. He says, this wrath will come upon the children of disobedience. It doesn't matter that you ask the Lord into your life 20 years ago. If you are walking in overt sin in your life, and you know what that is, let's not play games. You know what sin is and what it isn't. And if you're walking in constant rebellion, maybe you're a drunk. Maybe you, just, maybe you have a severe drinking problem. And maybe that's been your sin all this time. 
And the Lord has been telling you, you need to repent. You need to come out from, you know, that lifestyle and start doing his will. But you keep rejecting him. You see, that's called disobedience. You are mandated by the Lord to put down the works of the flesh, whatever that is, and to walk in obedience if you want to have eternal life. You and me are going to give an account one way or another. We are going to give an account for the deeds and the words that were done in this life. It's not optional. It's not negotiable. And it doesn't matter how much you've done for the Lord. It doesn't matter what your public ministry is. You know, this is why the Bible and why Jesus in the book of Revelation singles out Balaam. We all remember Balaam. He was an actual prophet of God. He wasn't a false prophet. He wasn't a prophet of Baal. He was a prophet of the living God who actually prophesied accurately. And what happened was is that Balaam, king of Moab, wanted him to curse the Jews because he recognized Balaam as an actual prophet of the Lord, and he offered him money for it. Well, what happened was, is that Balaam, every time he went before the Lord, he would ask God to curse these enemies, and, and God would bless them instead. And uh, this happened four different times. Uh, Balak would take him to different places, and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon Balaam, and he would uh, bless the Jews instead of cursing them. This is, this is what happened, and it's all documented in the book of Numbers. Well, at the end of it all, Balak became very frustrated and left, and that was the last we heard of it until later on in Numbers 31, we hear that Balaam was actually judged, that he was actually killed uh, in, a, in a, uh, a, a small battle that the Jews had with the people of Moab. Uh, and what we learn is that Balaam later on was teaching Balak how to seduce the Israelites into Baal worship and to sleeping with Moabite women. That's what he did instead. Now, this is interesting because Balaam was a true prophet of God. In fact, his prophecies were a lot more accurate than any false prophet we have today. The false prophets of today don't even care if they're accurate. They just ramble on on YouTube, and if they hit it, they hit it. If they don't, they don't. They don't care. Balaam was at least accurate. He at least cared and had respect for the word of the Lord. But the problem is, is that Balaam also had greed in his heart. And that's what I want you guys to focus on. Balaam had greed in his heart, a sin that he would not let go of. So even though he was a prophet of God, he heard the word of God and he would prophesy accurately, he still would not let go of greed. And Satan tempted him with greed through the words of Balak. And at the end of it all, Balaam's greed took him, just like it did Judas Iscariot. Judas had unrepentant greed in his heart. And at the end of it all, Satan was able to enter in and to destroy Judas, just like he was able to destroy Balaam. These are men who essentially walked with God. They literally walked with the Lord. One prophesied and the other walked with the Son of God. And need I remind you that he was also one of the ones that was sent out two by two. Judas was sent out by the Lord to work miracles and, and healings and cast spirits out of people. You remember this when Jesus called his disciples to go two by two. Ju Judas was one of them. So he moved in the power of God, but he had unrepentant sin. And that's the kind of thing that the Lord was talking about in Matthew 7, 21, 
when he discusses uh, those that say, Lord, Lord, not everybody that says to me this will enter the kingdom of God, but he that does the will of my Father. And he talks about these people that prophesy and that cast spirits out and do all these things in his name. Uh, And he will say to them, I never knew you away from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. That's what he's talking about. See, it's not about their public ministry that was lawless. It was their secret sins. It was their personal life that was lawless. That's what he's talking about there. Balaam's personal life was lawless. He had unrepentant greed. Judas Iscariot's life was lawless. He had unrepentant greed. He was a thief. He stole money out of the disciples' money bag and used it on himself. The reality is, is that he had unrepentant sin. It wasn't God forcing him to do anything. He did it of his own accord, and the Lord knew that he would never repent. And that's why the Lord called on him to be a disciple. He needed to use his unrepentant sin to fulfill the word of the Lord and to have him betrayed. The book of Jude talks about eternal security, or at least the lack thereof, unless you persevere in the faith. It says here in verse 17, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Notice how he says that there will be some that separate themselves sensual having not the spirit. He's not talking about the heathen here. He's talking about those in the church who have crept into the church and who have committed all kinds of sin and, and have preached all kinds of false doctrine. That's what he's talking about. Both Peter and Jude are talking about people in the church who have crept in unawares. And they do these things. They are sensual, having not the Spirit. And that's what we're dealing with when we talk about eternal security and these people that propagate this dangerous heresy, whether it be pastors or whether it be the laity that propagates this uh, amongst themselves or on social media. They are sensual. There are things in their lives that they have not overcome, and they are using these teachings to justify their sins, to justify their unrepentance. And it's a dangerous thing. The Word of God is clear on the issue of eternal security. And 2 Peter chapter 2 also discusses the issue of eternal security. Listen to what it says, beginning in verses 17. It says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, 
to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. See, all of the apostles warn their churches about going back into sin. Uh, this was not a free grace type of, of doctrine that the apostles were teaching. This was a life of holiness, of, of, of killing the flesh, uh, keeping your members under subjection to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This was not about uh, you being allowed to uh, carry on that one or two areas of sinful flesh that you can't seem to overcome. See, in every person's life, there's always one or two areas, even after they're saved, where there's a difficulty overcoming your flesh. That's because that's the sin that's been with you the longest. That's the one that has the most roots in your life whether it's sexual immorality or whether it's, you know, thievery or greed or anger or whatever, bitterness, resentment, doesn't matter what it is. Whatever, there's always one or two things that you have held on to the longest, you see, and the Lord wants to rid that out of your life. It's, it's not optional. Uh, it's something that needs to happen in order for you to mature in the Lord. And like I said, I, uh, I'm going to be writing on this uh, in more detail in, in a couple of weeks and expounding on this uh, doctrine of eternal security, exposing the uh, nonsense in it, as well as uh, exhorting the saints to learn how to be overcomers, because it's important. I know that there are a lot of people uh, who do struggle with sin. You actually recognize that you have sin in your life, that it's habitual, and that you want to overcome. And you're trying to figure out, well, how do I overcome? Why is it that I keep going back to it? Well, we'll be dealing with that uh, in this uh, article, in this letter that I'm going to be writing and publishing. It's important to have it in writing, but this podcast is geared more for coming against uh, the eternal security doctrine. I have just read to you at least three or four different areas in Scripture where it's clearly defined. It's clearly defined that walking in holiness is not optional if you want to see the kingdom of God. It's just not. I'm sorry. I'm not here trying to sell you something. I don't have a church to try to keep up. I don't have, you know, tithes that I need. I'm telling you these things out of a pure heart. 
I don't have any motivation other than to speak the truth. And I'm telling you that as it was with me in my life when I was walking in sin, so it's the same with you. It's not optional. The Spirit of the Lord told me over and over again, you've got to come out of your sin. You cannot keep doing this. When you do that, when you overcome, then you will see the blessings. Then you will start seeing the answered prayers. Then you will start seeing the the fruits of your labor and your salvation. But until that time comes, guys, I'm telling you, You're going to have hardship, you're going to feel guilt, you're going to feel shame, and rightfully so, because that is the Spirit of the Lord convicting you of sin and calling you to repent. It doesn't matter that you invited Jesus Christ into your life 10 or 15 years ago. If you're wallowing in the mire, he expects you to come out and to be washed. That is the word of the Lord, and that is what he expects you to do. So I hope you hear what I'm saying, and I hope you look forward to that letter that I'm going to be publishing in a couple of weeks to read about this more extensively. I want you to uh, send it to different people that you know are struggling with sin or who believe the lie of eternal security. And I want you to uh, you know, forward this information to them so that they can understand and come out of their sin. God wants to prosper you. He does actually want to bless you, but he's not going to do those things until you learn to be an overcomer. So look for that teaching uh, coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, This is an important message, and I just felt like I really needed to come out and talk about this. Uh, So I hope it has blessed you and encouraged and convicted those of you that it needs to convict. And I pray that uh, you see some, some repentance in your life if you are guilty of walking in habitual sin. I pray that uh, this will be a challenge to you to be an overcomer. Until next time, I'm Chris King. So cry.